Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 25. Uh, where are you at, man? I don't see you here. Oh, yeah. Uh, took a little road trip. I don't know if, if you knew about that, but uh, I headed out to Boulder. Yeah, I heard you just couldn't stand the heat anymore. Out of the kitchen, man. That's how it works. Yeah, and into the climbing, I think, is uh, how that phrase goes. Pretty much. I uh, I got a taste of it, but uh, not not quite back up to my old self here. Yeah, well, you have some altitude to, uh, to bore yourself with now. It just takes like a day to get used to it, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's how altitude works. I don't <laughs> know why they go for like three weeks. You should just only need to be there for like two days. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, real quick before we get into everything, uh, what topics are we going to be covering today? We're going to continue team episodes, and we have the breakdown of Astana Protein and Team Ineos, as well as a few uh, little news articles here. It looks like there was the Slovenian National Time Trial Championships, as well as the World Championships are a go, and also Decunic Quick Step Extended with Eve Lampard. So those are what we're going to cover later today. But first, how can people find us? Yeah, they can get to us uh, at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter and at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram. Awesome. And that'll be in the show notes. Well, let's get into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, dude. Uh, well, I managed to get myself out of bed this morning for a recovery ride, so I got 100 miles and 3,300 feet this week, which was an improvement over last week's climbing, that's for sure. Dude, kudos on the uh, over 100. Yeah, it was pretty close. I had to go like an extra lap around my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for me, it was uh, a little bit less just travel time out here. Uh, 120 miles and 4,300 feet of climbing. Yeah. Most of that from today. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Back back in the old stomping grounds. Well, uh, my ride of the week uh, was I went back out to the West Valley Cycles group on Saturday a little bit smaller group this time. I'm not sure people were just staying home or doing whatever, but uh, still a good group, but different pacing. I was so exhausted after that ride. And even the next day, like today, I've been pretty like just out of it today. But overall, great ride. Uh, it definitely was faster in some areas. Uh, there was a little bit of tailwind on the way back, and we were hitting like 32, 33, and I just... Got blown out. Yeah, that's they like to hit that section. I was saying when I wrote it a few weeks back, the couple guys went off at 35, and I just could not hold on to that. It was because they were holding that for a few miles as well. It was it was tough. Yeah. Well, I also was like, well, I'm gonna try to do what that that Tim guy said last week of like, take it easy in the beginning. And then I wasn't going to jump to the A group, but I was like, I can do some pulling on some of those longer straightaways that I knew there wasn't churns coming up. Mm -hmm. And so I could do a little pulling, but I got to a couple spots in the beginning and I did some pulls and it was still really good, but I think I kind of tired myself out. I got into the red right before the first stop. It happens, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't believe, but I pulled the entire segment just before the climb on West Tar that hits like 12%. So I pulled right up until the very bottom of the climb, and it was basically in the red as soon as I got there. Yeah, I was like, I'm sure everyone will let you do that as well. Like I've made that mistake a, a couple times of 
being in front right before a climb that everyone knows or a sprint point that everyone knows is coming and just getting blown out. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was kind of fun. Uh, I thought of it as a challenge. So Tim was hanging out just ahead of, of me. And so I was like, well, I was starting to lose him. And then someone behind me was like, you can do it. And I just pulled harder and I was in like <laughs> high, high 170s and I did it. But I blew out right when I got to the bottom, which was still fine. I got caught up with them at the, the rest stop. So it was perfect. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, it's got to be the the ride today. Had a quick one. It it rained pretty much right when I got here. Uh, I have unloaded my stuff and then started coming down and was trying to let things dry a little bit. Just not too bad for the, the water I don't mind about. Just the dirt and the stuff that comes off kind of the, some of the mountains over if you get up into the hills and it gets a little gritty and it was kind of like that coming down. I just didn't want to descend in that at all. Uh, but either way, it was, it was still pretty good. I went out for was like about 25 miles and 1,700 feet of climbing or so. Um, just a half of uh, Jamestown, which I took you on when you're out here. Uh, I saw also that, so I was comparing it, you know, to what I had ridden before time-wise, and it was several minutes slower. But I saw that uh, McNulty was out here, rode the same segment today, just just at half the speed that I, or at half the uh, time that I did. So. Nice. Give you that nice pro comparison. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the time I did it. I was going, I was when I just got back into riding basically, and I was so freaking slow. It sucked. Yeah, I had a coffee up there. <laughs> yeah. You need to. Yeah, it was pretty nice. But yeah, it was pretty good. I just wanted to get, get something kind of in the legs and, and test out kind of how how I was going to do just in at altitude a bit. I mean, it wasn't too, too bad. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. Nice. Well, good to be back in Boulder, I bet. Yeah, it's nice. All right. Well, let's get on to some news here. First topic, world championships are a go, uh, apparently. So they're going to keep them in Switzerland, which is definitely good news because the backup was supposed to be in like Qatar or something. And, I think about zero people wanted that. Yeah, I mean, there was zero fans there the last time that they had it. It's just kind of a bummer. Like, a, there's nobody on the side of the road and uh, and nobody on the side of the road just because there's nobody there, not due to any kind of a coronavirus stuff. They're just, no one's going to be watching that race if you're out there. Yeah. Well, I think the only caveat would be if they did have them there, at least it wasn't going to be in the middle of the summer, which was a huge issue last time. Yeah, pretty well, No, pretty excited. The only caveat there is that the there's a overlap with the Tour de France and the time trial. They're not going to move that, I guess. So, you know, some riders may not be able to go do the time trial. So I think Dumoulin's already said he's not going. You can assume Roglic isn't going to go. So it's going to be a weird pool of people. Do you think anybody will kind of drop off early on there? I can't. I mean, if, say like Yumbo, like, are they going to have all three of them stay throughout the whole thing? If, you know, say, uh, you know, Primos is, is doing really well and has an advantage, do you think 
you know, maybe Dumoulin doesn't need to be there, something like that. Because I don't know if they've really decided for, for what. they got their own little trident going on, expressed like who's team leader. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Rohan Dennis is probably going to win. I haven't looked at the course. So I'm not sure if it's mountainous or not, but Rohan Dennis, it's pretty much his to lose. So if the course suits him, it's very unlikely. Yumbo Visma would never give up winning the Tour de France for a time trial ch- world championships. It's not going to happen. So, you know, if they're in the hunt, which everyone is currently expecting them to be, there's just no way. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, depending on who was there or who they needed, but that makes sense too. It's not worth it. No. Um, dude, real quick caveat uh, or a little uh, side note, I guess. I watched the Yumbo Visma 2020 or 2019 Vuelta documentary. Um, someone on the Reddit Peloton, our, our Peloton, had a link to it. And I wa- it was like an hour. It was really, it was okay. I mean, there were some cool parts. It wasn't as good as the Mickleton Scott one that we talked about. And the they just lacked a little bit more race coverage. Like, But it was still really good. Mm. I found it really entertaining but the race uh, the stage where tony martin crashed was like super crazy and they showed him like he was at the team hotel like still in his ripped up kit and his like blood all over his face and his eyeballs all swollen up and uh, it was just like super impressive and he was just like you know did is primo's okay did he make it you know that's all he cared about and he's bleeding everywhere so just more props to tony martin he's just a beast yeah that's an awesome team player too that's, that's what you need yeah, and I guess the reason I brought it up in this segment was, like, if they were pretty much close to winning and they didn't need Tony Martin and he was feeling really good, he could go and try. But, you know, at best, I think he could podium, which would be good for him, but I don't think he'll ever win the world championships again. But that guy was just a monster on time trials for well, the previous five years ago or whatever. True. Speaking of uh, team players, uh, Yves Lampere extending with the Koenig here. Yeah, I, we were trying to remember if if he we because we brought that up uh, when we were covering the the potential transfers. You know, if he was going to stay with the team or if he was going to be one of the guys that left. I forget what we said, uh, but I mean, it, it's one of those things too where they're okay with having a ton of people who can potentially win, and, and a lot of the guys the same. You know, are are okay with that kind of writing style so it's, it's kind of cool to see him stay yeah definitely i i think if i remember correctly i said that he wouldn't stay only because he wanted more money and they weren't willing to pay him i didn't look at what his extension was and if he got a good pay rate but i mean i understand him staying i'm sure that's what he would have preferred either as well because he's just more likely to win even though he's a in a team with multiple prongs but they've shown that to work brilliantly so it's good for them. And it's also good in the current environment that riders are starting to see extensions coming out in contracts. So it's, it's good for everybody. Yeah, that's true. I have seen quite a few extensions announced on here. So it's, it looks like everybody's kind of moving ahead. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of moving ahead, Pogachar won the Slovenian national time trials today, uh, beating Roglic. So a little bit of revenge. He lost the road race last week to Primo's. And uh, ended up slotting one over on him on the time trial. Yeah, it looks like it was almost the same uh, gap, too. I think it was 10 seconds in the road race and 9 seconds in the time trial. Just yeah. One bettering him at the 9. Well, I think, like I said last week, I think these two are going to be pushing each other sort of as like a friendly rivalry. 
um, being the same nationality. And I think it's good for both of them that they are have similar skill sets. So they're really going to be pushing each other to their limits, I think, over the next few seasons for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, and it's kind of cool to just see them like as you know grand tour riders and as being really good time trialists as well. So it's there's just lots of going to be competitions that they can have on here and a, a lot of different races that they're going to go at each other in. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, look at Contador. He had a lot of Spanish help in Grand Tours that weren't on his team. So, you know, this slots in with that. It's not often Roglic can find a Slovenian who can be help in the mountains or something. So it's perfect timing for both of them. That's true, because I think he, uh, Primos was, was definitely a big help to uh, Pogacar in the, uh, the Vuelta. Was it the Vuelta where they were both kind of up there? Uh, they kind of yeah. just became allies. Because he didn't have the strongest team at that time. They definitely bolstered that, but it was a big, it was a big help, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if Jumbo Visma or Roglic really helped Pogacar, other than I, I think it was more the other way around. But I, they did work well together when they needed to. So there was. You know, it was just good teamwork and good appreciation of each other's talents and wanting each other to do well. But it was – I watched that a little bit on the highlights of the documentary. They kind of touch on it. So it was um, – that was a cool Velta. A lot of drama. Yeah. So this last one, I didn't see this, but – Oh, so it's the the Giro commercial that Sagan and the Giro had put out. Um, you know, props to Sagan because he gave them his word that he'd go – and with the calendar change, and now the Giro is conflicting with pretty much every single major classics of the season. And he's like, I made my word to them, and I'm going to stick to it. But it also kind of goes back to what we talked about kind of off off air about. I kind of just think Sagan's sort of just tired of the classics and all that stuff. So he wants to do something different. But going back to this commercial, it, it was kind of goofy, but... Definitely better than his uh, gravel bike commercial where he was leaving a, a complex industrial complex building or something. But this one was he was walking yeah. through a, a, a museum and the museum tour lady was speaking about pieces of art. And then he would finish all of her sentences. And then uh, at the end, he was talking to some guy about the history of the Giro as he was walking out of the museum. And he you know had like a artsy you know hat on or something. Um it was okay, but the thing about Sagan is, right, he just has that marketability, and so he's really pushing himself to do those types of things, and, you know, he just bring, he's a draw, end of story. And so the Giro knows, yeah. I'm sure we're going to come out later. They probably paid him a lot of money to come, but it's great for the Giro. The last few years, a lot of people have been talking about of just the Vuelta and the Giro kind of moving up in prestige in comparison to the, the Tour de France. And, you know, maybe it's not, but I think it's getting more recognized of of those are, they have been at least in the last few years, maybe not the last tour, but they've been traditionally more entertaining. They have these bigger mountaintop finishes. I mean, the year is more beautiful. Yeah. Well, I I agree. I think that you've, we've definitely seen that. I think it's just, I think part of it is the tour had, has become more stale in the fact that it's very routine. Everyone kind of knows how it's going to go. It's so big. 
where you, you got to have sprint stages and you got to have breakaways and you got to have all these things because there's so much money at stake for teams and camera time. And I, I just think it's so scripted in, in its own way. Uh, it's very rare you see a lot of um, surprise attacks or things lately. And so it's given an opportunity for the Vuelta and the Giro to kind of perk up people's interests um, in these races because they're so the difference between the those two and the tour is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, the tour is definitely though. It's like you were saying, it's it's got to tick all the boxes, it, you know, it, and it becomes formulaic, and and maybe that's why these formulaic type of teams like Sky have you know been winning over and over again. It's they're like we've kind of cracked the code, and and we can we see how their formula works, and and we can do that as well. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm excited for the Giro. I'm excited for... I'll even say I'm excited for the Tour. I mean, got to be excited for everything now. It's true. Well, I mean, with the Tour, you at least have Jumbo Visma, who has a reasonable chance to dethrone Ineos. So, of course, Ineos has its own issues, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, we got to discuss our uh, Astana Pro Team. That's our first one. We'll get to Ineos after, but... Astana Pro Team. So 2019 stats, they were ranked fifth, uh, down four places. So they were, you know, it looks like they were second or first or something last year. So uh, they had 37 victories, 15 of those in the World Tour. Three of them were GCs. So Fuglesong won the Criterium de Dauphine. Uh, Jan Izaguirre won the Basque Country. And uh, Miguel Angel Lopez won the uh, Volta a la Catalunya. Uh, comparing that to 2018, they had 31 victories, uh, 10 of those in the World Tour. So not much of a drop, but definitely a little bit of one. Uh, as far as their identity, they are mostly a GC team, and I like to refer to them as the team that almost breaks through. They always seem to fall apart or uh, crash or some sort of bad luck, and they never can quite make it on the GTs, uh, on the Grand Tour scene. Um, key signings? Aranburu and uh, Fellini, but uh, did they lose a few people as well? They lost Magnus Court, Bilbao, and Cataldo. Who um, who are their key riders this year? Yeah, I mean their key riders probably have to be Folksang and uh, your favorite Superman Lopez. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that guy. I do like Aranburu though, but he it was one because when we were trying to you know, pick stage winners of the, the Volta. He was, he was always out there, you know, maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll do it. I don't remember if he ended up winning, but he just looked really, really strong throughout the whole thing. And, and kind of climate, I believe he's mainly a climber, but he was kind of trying to finish strong and like reduce bunch sprints from climbs. And I think that's, that is a really good signing. Yeah, no, definitely. He's what, I can't even tell how old he's. 24. So, yeah, he came from Makaha Raw. So, definitely a good rider and, and one we want to keep an eye on. Too bad he's over 23. So, <laughs> that's why I had to squeeze it in. Uh, good for you. Well, so yeah, uh, first topic here Will Fuglesong eat more carbs and will that make him win a Grand Tour? Carbs are great, but I don't see that making him uh, win a Grand Tour. He, I mean, he definitely looks strong. I just, the way that he's been performing, it seems he's just a little punchier. And maybe, maybe he should be 
doing kind of our dens or week you know, week long stuff, I just don't see him holding that throughout three weeks. And and maybe that he's just always had a problem with that. Yeah. I always liked Fuglesong, especially when, you know, years ago when he was helping the Schleck brothers, I was kind of bummed that he never got a chance earlier in his career to really have a go at a grand tour. And so he's having this renaissance and, you know, he was under the microscope a little bit for possible doping earlier in the season. And then he came out and just smashed everybody at like the first couple races of the year, you know, to really, you know, put the hammer down that I'm not doing drugs, but let me just blow everyone out. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Actually, Yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just like, I'll show you guys that by doing even more impossible <laughs> stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, you're right. I think he would be excellent at weak stage races and the Ardennes because, you know, you brought up a good point. I think he is more punchier and you are seeing him a little bit more explosive on some of these climbs. Um, I don't think he has the long climb in him, but, you know, he can put in a savage attack with four or five K to go and hold it. But a 10 or 15 kilometer all out attack, you know, I don't think he can sustain that in the high Alps. So, ah. I mean, he's probably going to be their guy for the tour. I haven't seen if they have released his schedule, but I will, I'll cheer for him. I really like him. I will, I want him to succeed, and it would be interesting to see him podium. That would be a good um, way to come to the end of his career. You know, I, I don't know how old he is, but he's in his mid-30s at the very uh, – I think he's 34 or something. So, you know, he's getting there, and I, I just wish he would have had an opportunity three or four years earlier than he did. Yeah, same. I mean, nothing against him, and I'd like him to win. I just those just three week kind of guys are are kind of rare. Oh, definitely. Well, what was it last year? He got he crashed and got injured or something, and he still finished, but he wasn't the same as he was. I mean, he was looking sharp and coming in with a lot of form, and unfortunately, he does seem to have bad luck with crashes. I'd say uh, the next thing here. Superman, not bad luck, but just to his own doing. You know, is he going to improve his time trial? You know, will he get a Grand Tour win? No, I do not like this guy. I liked him <laughs> at first, but when you give yourself a nickname like Superman, I just and you can't even win something. I mean, he's won some small races and he obviously has talent, but it goes back to the Bardet thing. He thinks he's so good at climbing that he doesn't really need to focus on time trials. And maybe he has been, I, I don't know his, his actual stance, unlike Bardet who said they were boring and I didn't want to do them. Um, at least he admitted he, that was a mistake, but yeah, these guys that are really good at climbing and don't time trial just, I don't think they're going to win. I know he podiumed, but that was on like a Vuelta or something. I don't think he'll win the tour de France by any means, but he definitely has the potential to win the Vuelta. You know, this year, I guess it's mostly climbing. So, you know, if he can't do it this year, then he'll never do it. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I just I don't know these guys that won't time trial because there's some smaller guys because he's pretty small, but there's been some, some smaller guys that that can still do it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I was going to say I think Richie Port, you know, at one point was pretty good time trials, and I know he's small for sure. Yeah, well, he. I was reading an article because I've been trying to uh, swim a little bit more, and it turns out Richie Port 
swims a lot in the off season as a counterbalance to cycling. So he said that helped improve his performance on the bike. Not sure if it helped perform, improve his time trialing, but it does help your cardio a lot, which I think is super helpful to learn how to breathe a lot more effectively in the time trial in particular, being able to get more oxygen in each breath. So could be something there. I will say after doing what, I don't know if we actually even call it two laps, one actual lap uh, in the pool in a not, you know, large pool. And uh, I'm pretty gassed. I, I am not, I am not good at that at all. Yeah. Well, I've been, I did a little more laps today. I'm getting a little bit better. It's tough breathing, man. I, um, I learned I'm tucking my neck in a little bit more, so it definitely helps. But yeah, it's tough when the pool isn't that long. So you spend most of your time kicking off a wall than actually swimming. You got to learn how to do that sweet, like flip thing underwater. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. I know, me too. I'm just going to get water to my nose. Anyway, um, one more topic we wanted to discuss. So, you know, now that we're halfway through the season, we're starting to hear some rumors. And the rumor is that Lopez, as well as the Izagiri brothers, are both might be leaving Astana. So where does that really leave them? I mean, that's the core of their team, really. You know, Fuglesong obviously is, is highly important, but they're sort of hoping to build their team, it seemed, around Lopez. So... If he's leaving, they got they got what do they have behind him? I don't really know much. Yeah, well, and he's the the younger, much younger of the two. It looks like I was just looking. He's 26. You know, to let a guy like that go, I, as much as you know, shit we're giving him that he can't time trial and we don't know if he's ever going to win anything. He's still pretty young and he could still do things and he's still one of the top Grand Tour riders. You know, if you were to pick of who you had available, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad choice. Yeah. Well, for some reason, I see him in a Trek jersey, and I don't like it, but I swear I'm not going to be surprised if he ends up there. Is that rumored? No, I just had a – it just came to my brain. I don't know. Maybe – uh, what, what do they call that? Like a premonition or like intuition yeah. or something? Like it just literally came into my head, and I just – could actually picture it in my brain, him in a Trek jersey. At least in my mind, he was winning a stage, so there's that. But it does seem like a better fit than his rumor to Bora. Yeah, that one was was really weird. I don't see that at all. Just with, I feel like they're set kind of on their team. You know, maybe a guy here and there, but they kind of have their core and, and they have some younger guys and and they're kind of building a big german kind of squad so i I don't see that at all yeah well i think the thing with bora is they're not like typical gc teams where they want to have a contender for every tour you know they have sagan and they have uh, i forget who their sprinter is uh, ackerman so they have those guys to battle for a lot of stages and stuff and get victories that way. So they only really need like one main GC guy. So they're not set up to have two or three in, in reality. So it doesn't make sense either. I mean, they have Bookman or whatever, and they're set. So I agree. Yeah, I think they prefer to have more of a spread team than all for, for one guy because they do have a lot of options. But yeah, we can get that into that when we get to their team. It's true. Well, as far as young riders, I didn't see any. Um, so really nothing to discuss. And that kind of goes back to the problem they had with our previous one of 
if Lopez leaves, they they got nothing coming behind it. So they're going to have a big drop in the rankings in the next couple seasons if that ends up being true. Um, as far as victories, they've definitely started off really well, uh, especially across multiple riders. So first up was Fuglesong, which I mentioned he won the Route de Sol. He won first overall and two stages. I mean, just just smoked everybody in that thing. I mean, he wasn't not even on the same level as anyone in there. And obviously it's beginning of the season. Not everyone's in, in proper form, but Fuglesong was head above everyone else. Yeah, it was dominant. And um, then also we had the Volta, uh, Volta Garve. Uh, Lopez won a stage on that one. I don't remember that race all that well. Mm, I don't either. And he didn't and then, win the overall. You know that. Yeah. Who won the overall now? Oh, I don't know. We just oh. have down that he he only won oh, a yeah. stage. Exactly. Uh, and then also Luis Leon Sanchez won a stage of the Volta cyclista a la region de murcia so that was cool you know luis leon sanchez is kind of getting up there i think he should be due to retire here soon but unless i'm just confusing him with samuel sanchez who is retired but i thought he was getting up there in age i would say he he is he's he's at least mid to late 30s and i was just looking it up he's 36 that's a tough age i'll be 36 this year so i should be due to retire I mean, from bike riding. So yeah, you had I, you had a great career. I did. I I got like ten thousand miles, and it it was a good <laughs> one. Um, yeah, and finally they won a stage at the Tour de la Provence, uh, Alexander Vlasov. So I would imagine that was a sprint stage. I don't know much about that that right that race. Not too sure. I mean, they they've definitely started well, but it like you were saying, if some of these younger guys, you know, like, uh, um. Lopez leaves and maybe these other guys, Fulsang and Sanchez retiring soon. It's it's going to be a weird team or it's going to be hard if they don't start rebuilding soon or keeping what they have. Yeah, no, they've had a pretty consistent squad for the last decade since um, Lance came back and joined them. You know, even before then they had, you know, their other squad back in the late early 2000s so they've been a really consistent team for the last two decades almost so it is kind of strange but that leaves us with our final topic better or worse than 2019 oh it's got to be worse yeah and it's not that they're going to have a bad season but they had a really great season last year i think and with a couple squads behind them coming up i think they're just going to go down um, it's really hard to win at the high end that they've been winning. These Some of these stage races aren't even going to be around. So the races are just so competitive. It's, I just, I agree. I think they're going to have a worse season for sure. Yeah. And like the big win last year, the, the Dauphiné, I, I don't see Fulsang or um, Lopez doing anything on that just based on the competition with there being so few races. It's They're not going to get a win that big. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, Lopez is a shoe-in for the Vuelta this season, so. Well, all right, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I think, yeah. Well, like I said, if he's going to win any, this is going to be the most mountainous Vuelta, which is something to be said because it's always a mountainous Vuelta. So uh, they added a couple more of those stages. So if it's if it's going to be his year, it'll be this one. True. All right, well, moving along, let's head over to Team Ineos. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. I've heard Team Sky. I don't know about this Ineos team. <laughs> yeah, well, let me give you some stats from 2019. They were ranked fourth, 
and that was down two spots from 2018. And they had 26 victories, eight of them in the World Tour, four of them GC, with most of them being Bernal. He won the Tour de France, the Tour de Suisse, Perry Nice. And then also they won the Tour de Poland with Sivakov. So compared that to the 2018 season, they had 43 victories, 21 in the World Tour, seven in GC. So quite a quite a difference a year makes for them. Pretty down season in all for them. But their identity, well, they just crush Grand Tours. And then they have a fighting chance on the Classics. And they had a key signing of Richard Carapaz. And they lost... Wout Poles and David Delacruz, but who are their main riders? Yeah, so their main riders would be Froome, Bernal, uh, Carapaz, and Thomas. So just some of the best Grand Tour riders that are around right now, all on one team. It's it's pretty crazy. I believe you mean G. And yeah, they have the last three Tour de France winners on their team. So yeah, it's it's. It's crazy. I don't know if there's been anything like that before. Maybe in the a classics team uh, yeah. back in the day, a mape or something like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, even during the postal days, they had really strong teams, but none of them were. They were always just super domestiques. And in this case, through some circumstances, their domestiques were able to actually go out and win Tour de France's. So um, yeah, definitely a very stacked team. And and really, the question is, how do they manage? this roster you know they have just a plethora of winners on their team and how do they how are they going to make them all happy and and can they really yeah i was was gonna say that's kind of the key thing is making them all happy the the one nice thing is we saw from kind of the move star documentary uh carapaz is gonna be looks like easy to please you know you you give him he'll be okay with the vuelta or the giro he doesn't, at least right now, need to be the main guy and going after the tour, which you know leaves the the three other guys. So that that doesn't help too much. But they all want the tour, and I, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna pull, you know, let the road decide kind of thing. And Thomas has crashed out of a few things before, and Froome is a question mark. So maybe it'll be easier than you think, but. Maybe not. Yeah, it's pretty tough, though. Well, I think Carapaz has said he's going to defend his Giro title, which I'm pretty stoked on. He That was a cool race. We talked about it earlier. The Giro and the Volta are always super exciting in comparison to the Tour. But I think this year the Tour is definitely going to be – it has the potential to be very exciting between Ineos and Yumbo Visma and any other you know rider coming in in a really strong form. But everyone's really talking about those two. So – you know, I think the actual, like you said, Thomas, I think he's going to be third on their their roster. And I, I think they will kind of go with a road will decide sort of mentality, but they're obviously going to have a hierarchy in place of what they expect, right? So it's going to be Bernal, then Froome, and then Thomas, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Froome is a wild card because of his crash and his injuries, and it's not sure how and well he's been recovering. But, you know, Froome seems... From some of his videos and other things, he's very determined. So I think the expectation is that he's going to give it his all to get back in top form. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the season develops. And so, you know, the real question, do you think Froome is going to be able to win the Tour de France, obviously? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, what you said back there, I, I think he is very determined. And I think he kind of, just by what we've seen, I think he has that mentality that, that we see some of the, like, just really great athletes where they'll put in just extreme amounts of training effort and off season. I think he's well versed in what it takes to win the tour. So I think he'll use that to try to get back. Yeah. I feel like the main problem for him is going to be Bernal because I think he's just, unless he's in a totally different form than he was last year, I just really see it's hard to to beat him just being the in great shape young guy and that that I think is going to be his biggest problem. Well, I think the one thing that Froome has well, I guess maybe not actually. I, my, what I was going to say was I think the Twitter it's later in the season, so is it going to be as hot, right? The one thing that Froome had a weakness on, I th- if I remember was the it was hot weather, right? So if it was a really blazing hot day, he had trouble. So with the with the tour being a, a month later, it very well could just not get hot enough for him to be taken advantage of. And so he could be close enough with Bernal, but try to beat him in a time trial. And, and obviously Bernal is a good time trialist, but is he on the same level as Froome? And so there might be enough time trial for Froome to, you know, eke out a victory there. But I, yeah, I think if Froome can come in with that sort of form, it's going to be an interesting battle between those two for sure. Yeah, it's true. So I guess overall, how many Grand Tours do you think they're going to win this season? I mean, it's really not unrealistic to say they're going to win all three. I'm giving them two. Yeah. I mean, I think two is pretty much a lock. But, you know, I'm still hoping that Roglic is going to win the Tour de France, so... You know, two is probably pretty good, but yeah, I think they're probably a shoe in for the Vuelta or, or for the Giro if Carapaz is in the same form. I don't really think there's a lot of stiff competition there, um, and he can time trial relatively well. He's not, you know, tier one, but he's he's tier two if I remember, and and so I think they're there. And then the Vuelta obviously is still same thing. It's going to be the wild card tour, but yeah, I, I think two to three is a reasonable expectation. If they won z- one or zero. That would just shock me. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it'll be cool. I, I really do want to see Carapaz do well, and he's got to have, I would imagine, better support this year than he had last year on, on that uh, <laughs> on that mishmash of a management team over there. But Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're going to have a strong team. I think they're going to send Dennis probably with him because Dennis – uh, we'll be able to do the world championship time trial before the Giro. And so I think we'll see him go there and he'll be a strong road captain for him. And then obviously Ineos has every person on earth. That's a good rider. So I think they're very interested and focused on the Tour de France and the Giro. And they're going to say, let's see how those pan out before we decide how we're going to attack the Vuelta um, and see where everyone's at. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's just no way they don't win two. But, you know, the one thing I wanted to talk about as well was, you know, Ineos hasn't looked that good as a team controlling these uh, Grand Tours lately. Um, is that going to be the same? Like, why is that? It seemed like a lot of these guys were kind of burnt out, just overworked. You know, Kibokoski had a pretty awful season, and he looked 
pretty much like ready to just stop riding his bike. And so looks like I saw an article recently where he said he's pretty stoked on the season and, and looking pretty sharp and, and really ready to get back to it. So I think this time off with the pandemic, I think is going to be really helpful to some of their domestiques who just never seem to get a day off. But yeah, last season, they just looked really weird as far as domestiques. Him, yeah, him in particular, I think they burned him out. And I, I feel like he, he pretty much said that it, he was just all over the place and just and is expected to be in peak, you know, for the whole year and helping out and doing his own races. And I think that was just way too much after they saw what he did uh, that, what was it, the other year? I think it was for Froome in the tour. And they were like, oh, this guy can be our new super domestic and, and we're going to use him everywhere. He was just, you can't have him do everything. But yeah. I, I think with like Sivakov and a few of the other guys, it d- depending you know who they bring, uh, I, I think they should be fine. But it, it has seemed less in in than recent years. The last year of of the kind of dominance and and maybe some of the other teams are changing a little bit and we just don't see it as much. You know we're always getting down like you know other teams can't control the race the same way and do a mountain train and everyone's always leaning on them on any of that is to, to do that kind of work. And, and maybe they're just tired of it as well. Yeah. Uh, something went on last season for sure. But yeah, I think this time off is going to kind of give everyone a little battery recharge for sure. Um, so, you know, Ineos, one of the, the, the biggest, most well-funded team. And so I kind of split this up into two camps. Like they have, classics riders and so you know their new owner has made it a mission to try to be more competitive in classics so their main classics riders are kiwakoski ian standard uh moscon and uh, van barrel and so you could probably even throw ghana maybe in there i don't know if that's what he wants to do but he has a big strong engine so you know yeah. they want to be more competitive and have they done that and do you think they'll actually win a classic this season or just because of the way this season has gone they're going to be too focused on grand tours but you know what do you what are your thoughts on that i think like what you just said that's going to be the case is they're going to be too focused on grand tours i like uh van barl i feel like he can do well in some of the punchier types uh i think they're going to probably burn out the other guys uh too much on the other Ghana would be really cool to see like at a a Robay that would that would be kind of cool to see him just time trial it basically and because he's just super super strong yeah yeah definitely well I think you know I said this uh to you last week sometime but Kibukasi had an article you know they interviewed him where he just said he's looking feeling really strong and he's going to altitude and he's just ready for the season and so you know, the first race of the year basically is going to be Milan-San Remo. You know, you have started Bianchi and Milan-San Remo before the tour. And so I think Kibakovsky is going to put all of his eggs in those baskets to try to win again because he knows he's going to be busy with the tour and probably all the other classics that are after, he's going to be – who knows what his form is going to be. And so I think he's going to really go hard for one of those, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins started Bianchi. That one I think suits him – suits him really well yeah i obviously you know i made a joke because you know i don't know if you knew this but kibakoski once beat sagan in a sprint at milan san remo and so i joked that 
it would be really depressing if Philippe Gilbert lost a head-to-head sprint with Kiwakoski. But, you know, he's saying he's he's up there. He's ready to rock and roll. So it would. I'm not going to count him against it. He's already won it once. Throw us down under the bus as many times as you can, man. I'm going to. Can't help myself, <laughs> man. All right, let's get on to some young guys. You want to hit that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, young riders. Uh, first one is uh, Ivan Sosa, uh, young Colombian, 22. Uh, he uh, was first overall in the Vuelta of Burgos. He won two stages there. Uh, looks like he was second overall in the Tour of Colombia uh, and the Grand Piermont. He was second overall and only second to Bernal. So really strong. Was supposed to go to Trek, just to yeah. throw that out there. I appreciate so it, man. Appreciate that it, would have been a great pickup. So I got to get you back. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't know why uh, he went there, man. I don't know. But yeah, we have Sivakov, uh, 22. Uh, he was ninth overall in the Giro, first uh, first overall in the Tour of Poland, first overall in the Tour of the Alps, and a stage win. So really good. Tour of the Alps, I know, is definitely a climby uh, tour, more so than some of the other ones. Uh, I think it's like a week long stage race, so he can he can definitely climb. Uh, yeah. So I, another domestique for them. And uh, so we got Filippo Ghana, uh, 23. He was third overall in the individual time trial at the World Championships behind uh, Dennis and Evenepoel. And he is the Italian uh, Italian time trialist champion as well. And he looks like he was six, or he won stage six in the Big Bank Tour, uh, which was a time trial. So just super strong engine and feel like we saw him working he looked good this season i i feel like i can't remember i think it was at if he was at columbia the tour columbia and, and he was just looking really strong in that as well it was a maybe a time trial that really didn't suit his body type but he looked good yeah no definitely yeah it was definitely in south america and i can't remember what it was either but yeah he's gonna be you know he's he's one of the ones that people are looking out for you know, he's a just a strong engine for time trial. So he could be, you know, the next coming of like Rohan Dennis or something. But I, his career seems like it could go about anywhere right now. And it's, it'll be interesting to see what he does at, at Ineos and if he develops and if he just, you know, kind of heads for other pastures. True. And so last year, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to even count him as a young rider, but he is. Uh, so you got Bernal, who's 23. Yeah. Obviously won the Tour de France. Uh, he won the Tour de Swiss. He won a stage there. He won um, Psych Perry Nice. And he was third overall at the uh, Volta Catalonia. So, I mean, I don't know how much more you can say about that. Yeah, I think his results speak for himself. He's not really a young rider to keep an eye on, and it felt weird putting him in here, like you said. But he is 23, and it's not very often you see a 23 year old with this kind of Palmar already. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I guess the only thing that left is to see what Evenepoel does this season. You know, everyone thinks, you know, he, he thinks he's going to win the Giro. Yeah, I mean, it's just nuts to see somebody, I guess, talked about, like, not that he doesn't deserve it, but just talked about that highly without, I don't think he's ridden any Grand Tours and that he can just win win one. 
it's, yeah. it's crazy. If I mean, if it happens, it's even crazier, but just it's weird. Well, I think I think the a lot of the the pros respect Venipole a lot, and obviously we're not we're talking about Ineos, but you know Egan Bernal won a bunch of stuff at 23, and so. There's no saying he can't. And so I think people are just excited. You know, you got Vanderpool and Van Art kind of doing exciting things. And so I think people are just interested in like new and and right now we have an old guard that we're trying to p- pass off to the young guard. And so Bernal starts it. You know, we'll see who else comes along with it as well. You know, you got Pogachar and everyone else. So it's a, it's going to be an exciting next decade. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, I will say too these these young guys they are making the racing more exciting. I, I don't know if it's just by coincidence, but that tour with Bernal, I mean, Al Fleep's relatively young, I believe. Uh, you have uh, Venipol winning stuff. You have Vanderpool winning. Like, you have all these young guys winning and, like, winning in exciting ways. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Definitely. Well, to get back on track here, we're almost done. Uh, 2020 victories. You know, Team Ineos doesn't really go out and win a lot of stages. Um, you know, they did win 26 victories this season or last season, and they do win a lot, but they do seem to win more like bigger races. So, so far, there hasn't really been much. They've only had one victory to their name, and it's at the Tour de la Provence. Uh, Owain Daoul. Daoul. One at what? A sprint. He's a sprinter, right? Uh, I don't know if he's a pure sprinter. It'd be weird because Zinios hardly ever has sprinters on there. But I thought that was a sprint stage. It looks like he's a sprinter. Yeah. So leads us to our final question. Better or worse than 2019? I think this is a tough one, but what what is your take? Yeah. I mean, so they won. How many? What did we say? How many Grand Tours did they win last year? Just the one? Yeah, just the one. Because uh, Carapaz s- won the Giro and Roglic yeah. won the Volta. I'm going to call it a slight better, given that they can win, the, yeah, that I'm thinking that they're going to win two Grand Tours. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I'm kind of, in this season, it's just so weird, but I'm going to have to agree. I think they're going to be competitive in the Grand Tours for sure. And, you know, I've already called... Kiwakowski winning at least one race, either being Strada Bianchi or Milan San Remo. So I think, you know, between the all their talent, you know, even with Bernal, Sivakov, and Gaunt, all these guys, you know, Moscon has a chance to win a classic or something. You know, there's there's so many riders to be able to do something that I, I think they're going to just be on fire, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I would really like to see somebody else win the tour just, just to shake it up, but the way that Bernal won last season, it's hard to really take him away from that as well. Cause that, that was awesome to watch too. Yeah. Well, that about sums up this week. I think next week we have a couple more team episodes. We were almost done. We have three left. So that leaves us with next week. I don't know the order if it's Bora and then and Jumbo Visma or Jumbo Visma and then Bora. I can't remember which is which I think Bora was ranked two. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, are we doing one each, or are we, are we doing two and one? Ooh, I guess find out next week. <laughs> Some, hopefully someone knows. Well, it's a surprise. All right, man. All right, until next week, have a good one. See ya. I don't know if we're going to throw this in the bloops or not. I, I just remembered that I was going to talk about it.
But so I was getting over like the uh, old stage climb, which is pretty steep. It goes on for a little while and peaks around 13 or so. And I was like, should use the restroom. 